the girls have heard this before, but 14 years ago, I had an operation on my arm here. Doctors said I wouldn't be able to use it. Well, what the hell do they know, I said. And, and I rubbed it for a half hour every day. And then I got so I, I could move it a little. And then and I, and I got so I could turn a faucet. And, and pretty soon I had my arm back again. Now I can't feel a damn thing in it. All numb. I, I'm, I'm afraid to cut it, you know? Mary usually does the carving, but maybe tonight you'll do it, Henry. All right with you? You're listening to The Night Before, a movie podcast. Each episode, we find a unique place in the city and share a drink and our thoughts about the movie we watched the night before. This is Lee, and I am joined, as always, by my husband, Jesse. Do you remember Midnight Movies? <laughs> yes. All right. We saw one last night. We did. Um, and that's what we're here to talk you know, about. It was a whole experience, too. We have to kind of go through the whole experience. I know. Let's do it. So, it was a Friday night, last yeah. night. Mm-hmm. I took a little footage to prep. We made coffee. We took a nap. I took a nap. You took a nap. Because I knew we were going out at midnight. Mm-hmm. And I, so I took a nap. I had to. While you watched two other movie, Tubi yeah. movies. Yeah. Well, I kind of watched things I'd been wrapping up on Tubi. I was holding my but mic. Pause. Let's say where we're at. We're at Deviant Libations. We are at Deviant Libations. Tampa, Florida. This is our first time here, and it's been open for a while As now. We haven't us, come yet. It kind of looks like a church. It does. It's kind of gothic the devil. gothic Yeah. And I love it. No, we like it a lot. Perfect vibes, as you said, for a David Lynch Eraserhead for sure. episode. But what's also said. great, even though you're not participating in them in the experiment, they only brew and make sours. No, my next one I might have a sour. Excellent. Maybe. Excellent. I, you know what? Sometimes sours give me heartburn. Not I know. to sound like an old lady. But. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love sours, but I can't start on sours. It has to be like my last drink before mm-hmm. we're done kind of thing. But your sour right now is called it's May something. Blood, Bloody May. No. Bloody Mary. No. But it has um, cucumber it and you said pepper. Peppercorn. Pink peppercorn. peppercorn. So that was really it's good. It's called May Queen, May Queen. Fruited sour with cucumber and pink yeah. peppercorn. And, and I before, am drinking. Well, you got a, a guest tap. And I got then a guest tap. I also had the corpse. Crip, Grave digger. Grave digger. Crate digger. Um, and a lemon and ginger. Um, crate sour. digger. Lemon ginger. Yeah. And it was, was good, a, but I definitely like this May Queen more. Yeah. The cucumber is a good vibe that, for the, the summer. When, I, when we looked at the menu on the way here, I thought that one was intriguing. Also on the way here, there was a car on fire on there the other side. There was. We had some B-reel about yeah, that. Not really. Not really, though. A Just some bit. smoke. A little bit. Um, all right. So Midnight Movies. We went to a Midnight Movie because um, Eraserhead kind of got its fame or its following as a Midnight Movie back mm-hmm. in the 70s. Yep. But did you ever go to the Midnight Movies? Seven. Seven. But did you ever go to Midnight Movies yeah. um, when you didn't have to nap beforehand? Yes. yes. 
yeah. did. So I mean, a, not a lot, but yeah. yes, I did. It, it doesn't seem like midnight movies are as much of a thing anymore. No, they're not. Definitely not. I think because of like safety and people are crazier these days. And I don't even think know. it's a safety thing. I think it's just like it's just a thing. It's an economic thing. I don't know. Like. Although there were way more people at the midnight movie that we went to last were, night than I anticipated. Well, it's a small cinema, screen door cinema, and yeah, it's, it's like a micro a cinema. Micro cinema, yeah. But we can say it was half full. Yeah, I, we can I, say I think that. I counted at one point. 15. I think it was like. It was 15 people. Yeah, 15. I think it people. seats about 30, 35 people. But so, we've been to a movie or two there before, and yeah. there was not that many people. And we'll be back tomorrow for. And the second half of the audio episode and and a separate video, Lynch, Oz. Oh, and they're doing a Black Lodge brunch. We'll look at that, yeah. Yeah. Where we have a brunch and we watch Twin Peaks. That'd be fun. That's going to be fun. Um, But no, I think Midnight Movies were like best basically in the late 90s, well, before the 90s, but I think up until the early 2000s, Midnight Movies at even chain movie theaters your amcs your regals yeah, your, your mall movie theaters your mall movie theaters they did midnight movie regularly mm-hmm. the one i went to growing up though was the dollar theater twin bays they, they didn't do they didn't they do did. dollars um they didn't do midnights the they dollar did. theater twin bays did midnight they might have done like an 11 15 showing i don't know i'm saying it was something neat even though we did not get this in ybor city at 2.30 in the morning when we exited the theater. Normally, you see a midnight movie and you empty into like a deserted town, empty At parking two, lot. 2.30 a.m., yeah. Right. I remember there was a mall. I used to go to midnight movies in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And But you had to like come out into the empty mall, like go down an escalator at like 2 in the morning. Nobody was And then saying. like go out to your car. Ybor City, it was Ybor City, it was packed. Debauchery. And it was terrifying. <laughs> at two thirty in the morning. Debauchery. It was like everybody was uh, and, and I'll say annihilated this. on drugs or about to fight. I'll say this. <laughs> say like, we'll get to the nightmare that was Eraserhead. Yes. But we walked into a worse nightmare, I think. After post movie. Yes, yeah. definitely. I was slightly terrified walking. I would back have welcomed David Lynch's And all of my twenties yeah. and even some in my early thirties. I walked Ebor City like I own the place, but last night I felt terrified. I would have welcomed David Lynch's for sure. Eraserhead reality over for that. For sure, for sure. But no, so I mean, there, for the longest time, there were things like um, you know underground movies like an Eraserhead, but and I know like Rocky Horror Picture Show was a big deal for midnight yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, I never really went to Rocky one. Horror stuff. So. But, but there was even like, oh, there's a new movie opening this week. We'll go to the midnight showing. Yeah. No, yeah, I knew that. And it was fun. Mm-hmm. It just is really not a thing. It's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it might be, like you said, economic. I think. Um, Getting people to work. And I think with yeah. streaming and all that, it's just, it's not as. Not as common. So it was fun. It was kind of. So it was neat that they did it. Yeah. It and fun. so we did it. We brewed some coffee. Brewed some coffee, drank a Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And watched a racer ad. <laughs> Had some yummy popcorn and watched it. It was fun. And your first time seeing Eraserhead? Mm-hmm. My first time. And I've sure. seen really my first time I'm seeing it the whole David way Lynch through. Fan yeah. Up until you, until you introduced me to David Lynch movies. Yeah. Do you have 
a favorite or any sort of midnight movie memory from your younger years? Um, I don't think I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think I have a favorite midnight movie. Obviously, do you have any memory? I mean, I, I remember going to the movies at midnight or like you said, maybe it was like 1115. I mean, my, like you even though this is the typical midnight movie, my mom was a huge Rocky Horror fan. Yeah, I never went. And we did the midnight, even so when wait, I was wait. little. You went to a midnight movie, Rocky. When I was little, like Ira's age. And people are like Throwing yelling stuff. things at the yes. screen. Yeah. Those are things. Those are like an AMC theater. Excuse me. I just burped. It's Sorry. the beers. Well, I went to an AMC theater in like a mall parking lot, and they did it like every Friday night, that Rocky Horror. I don't know if they did it every Friday night, but my mom is really into it. Like, we have the album. Yeah. The vinyl. Well, they didn't call them vinyls or lap back then. Now they, back then they called them albums. Or records. Records. Is this the old person part of the podcast? We had the Rocky Horror Back in my record, day. The soundtrack. we played it, and my sister and I, when we were little, would dance, and we knew all the words. So then we would go to the midnight showing occasionally. I think I went, like, three, four times in my youth. From like age ten to so, fourteen. But I'm saying, so your midnight stuff was like the Rocky Horror, not. Yeah, like, but I remember going to others with my grandmother. I just can't specifically remember what the movie was. No, same. That was my thing. I was trying to rack my brain of like, oh, what movies did I see at midnight? And I don't remember what movies particularly. I just remember that. What I remember more is the fact that I was going to see a movie at midnight that yeah. finished at like two or three in the morning. Yeah, because I would go with my grandmother, and it would be like, okay, we're going to this midnight movie. Yeah. We're bringing all our snacks in our purse, and we're going to, you know, be up late. And it was like a special thing we did together. Right. And that's but I why can't I can't remember what the movies were. And that's why I think midnight movies are special. It should be a movie experience. Yeah. And two, maybe a movie that is a bit different or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, typically, I think back then, a lot of the times, they were scary movies. Well, I think scary midnight. movies definitely work more, or mm -hmm. weird, which brings like, us... I feel like maybe it was like a Friday the 13th movie or Probably a not. Freddy Krueger movie. Maybe. Well, I don't... Yeah, if they were showing an older film, but typically, yeah. Older? When I was little, those were coming out. <laughs> You're those right. weren't older. Uh, I, was trying to, I was trying to make people think you were like 26. Freddy Krueger was like, what it was it called? It wasn't called Freddy Krueger. Nightmare on Elm Street was like the thing when I was little. It yeah. Was like... So it brings us to Eraserhead. Eraserhead. Which you'd never seen. I had never seen it. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, because you introduced me to David Lynch. Yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And during. I it... mean, I knew about David Lynch, but I wasn't like into his body of work. No, of course, of course. But eraser, but have an eraser head for me. I'd known about it, and I've seen sections of it. But it was the kind of movie that, even though I've been a longtime Lynch fan, that I didn't want. I wanted to kind of see it under kind of a right circumstance and not, because as we'll probably talk about it, I think it's an easy movie to dismiss as being weird or it is doesn't weird. make sense. Or boring. But I think it does make sense. Uh, oh, I think it's David Lynch. More Lynch's. than like Twin Peaks episode three. <laughs> oh, season me. three. Season three. I yeah. don't mean episode three. No, you know, I 
I said on the drive home, I think it's like David Lynch's most obvious film. Yeah, no, I, I thought it, I mean, I don't think it made complete sense to me, but there are some things that made sense to me. Yeah. Like the storyline made a little more sense. Some of the, excuse me, some of the things in the movie made a little more sense than some other David Lynch stuff that I have seen in the past. So. And we were talking a little earlier. I don't think I made it on the podcast though about even though even though i'm a big fan of david lynch i haven't there's still a couple of movies of his i haven't seen eraserhead is one right because i have this thing with certain certain things i really like authors or directors or writers or what what have you that even though all their stuff is readily available i do like to try to like you have a limited rations of certain things. You like to space out your enjoyment of them. Cause you only get so many, right? Yeah. And if I get them all like crunched up next to each other at one time, though that might make a good experience in understanding like a person's body of work. Cause let's be honest, like David Lynch might put out one more thing or no more things like. Mm -hmm. Who knows? So instead of getting it all at one time, it's this idea of, oh, you know, oh, I have a lifetime, my life, the rest of my lifetime to consume it all. Gotcha. What's the rush? Especially given like the amount of time in between the things he produced as well. So Eraserhead was one. I kind of put to the side and waited mm. to um, see it the right time. And I feel this was the right time. A midnight showing. Yeah, no, it was a good time. And I thought like this one might be too weird and obtuse. Black and white, limited dialogue. You know, it's funny. I kept thinking after we saw it, I kept thinking, was it all black and white? Yeah. I know, but for some reason, that in particular movie, in my eyes, didn't seem all black and white to me. Right? Well, I it could see um, detail and color in it even though it was all black and white. Isn't that weird? It's very weird. Because I, I thought it multiple times last night, like... During the film. Trying to think, did it go from black film. and white to color? No, post-film. Or was it all black and white? But I guess it was all black and white. Yeah, never It didn't changed. seem that way to me. Which I think is the first takeaway of the film. Like, it's a movie that sticks in your crawl, if you will. Roll? Your brain, your head, oh, okay. right? <laughs> and you kind of you think about it well after the film, uh -huh. like it it like like the little worm spermy things. Uh -huh. It it wiggles your way into you, and it just kind of stays in there for a bit, and it starts warping with your perception or what you thought of it. Um, so I really liked it. You have to be well rested because. The long pauses, like the reason why Twin Peaks is difficult for me, even though I enjoy the storyline and all that, is that I can't stay awake through the long pauses. I fall asleep during the long pauses. Yeah. And because I was rested and caffeined up, mm -hmm. the long pauses, and, and if you can stay awake through the long pauses and stay with it, Yes, it stays in your mind, it's significant, it feels really like ultra clear and and um, something 
something significant. In so your that's mind. my point. I think, like, to your point about the color of the film, it's sort of you get absorbed and it gets in your head. Yeah. And you can't even. You just get immersed in it. You don't even know really what you saw. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You get immersed in it, and you're not even, like, aware that it's black and white anymore. Yeah. Unlike movies that are just made you're black and white. You're kind of not even to... aware, like, you're watching a movie. You're just like... Yeah, you really do get immersed in it. You really and that's do. why I felt this was good seeing it in this room. So we made some some notes on our hands, right? We'll, we'll cut to a, a picture of it. Um, maybe we'll, this Mine is, like, fading, this is but... a new... This new is a thing. new system we have here. I think here. I like it. I like so let's it. just run through some of our points. What's one of your hand notes? One of your um, points to bring up. Okay, so one of my hand notes is Can that... you read it? Okay, so I'm going to start with a subtle hand note. All right. Let's talk about the mom. The girl's mom. What's okay, her so name? Mary's mom? Is her name Mary? Yeah, I can't remember all the characters' names, but yeah, the mom. Um, so the quick setup of the story, because I felt this was very easy to understand the story. Yeah. Like, um, a character, Henry, played by Jack Nance of Twin Peaks fame. Yeah. Um, there's a girl, his girlfriend, he hasn't seen for a while. Yeah, that he hasn't. He, he kind of gets invited to go to her house to meet the parents for dinner upon going there, realizes that his girlfriend is pregnant. Was pregnant. Was pregnant. Has given birth to a baby since the last time he saw her. Premature birth. Mm-hmm. And the baby currently is in the hospital. Yes. And then they're going to go. Pick up the baby. And then it's about them coming together as a couple to raise this baby who is a deformed. Alien type. Creature baby creature. thing. And it's dealing with the raising of the baby and dealing like with the relationship. Child so yeah, baby. so the mom of the girlfriend, the mother-in-law, if you will. She's she's odd, like really odd. But the father's not. I mean, the father is, but not as look odd. At, look at my niece. Yeah, not as odd as her. Like, cause he like breaks down and t crying at some point. He does. The mom does. Oh, the mom does, and at then dinner. starts making out with them. And then starts making out with them. Yes. It's like a whole thing. I can't identify the purpose of that character just to see that the the woman came from this like odd household as well, maybe. Yeah. That she um has this family that's I mean, you know, at some point in the movie she leaves goes back to her home, like leaves her parents, yeah goes back to her parents and maybe that has something to do with like they're very yeah, she just the lives this odd existence with these parents or yeah i don't know well me part of that was like well th i think overall i don't get to the mom like one of my hand notes is like story mm -hmm. right and like is um i like how you wrote your hand notes in a list and i wrote them with like bullet points with bullet points <laughs> with bullet points because our personalities are so different <laughs> and mine also which we'll get to go in um order of the they movie. go in more like surface level superficial to more like bigger well, picture i started with the surface level superficial, bigger picture but so i think with the story i think overall the story is this idea of like dealing with um because it's funny halfway through the movie i'm like so David Lynch had to been had to have been a father by this point. Definitely. Of making no, the dealing film. with fatherhood. So I feel I feel it's like dealing with fatherhood, yeah. dealing with marriage, and then also dealing with 
in-laws, parents. In-laws, parents, yeah. And then... And so I think to your point about the parents, meeting her parents, mom was over the top of... Um, so this is like the extreme of in-laws. Yeah, basically. and then some of this, this is the younger David Lynch, right? So some of it, like I said, it's a little more obvious. Some of his symbolism or motifs or metaphors are like on the nose. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, he goes to the parents' house and what is sitting in the living room of the mom when he meets the mom for the first time, the mother, is a dog nursing all its pups. Oh, yeah. Right? And you hear this. First, you just hear the noise. Suckling. The suckling noise. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what is that noise? What is that? Yeah. And then you see it, and it's like, okay, so there's the connection. He's meeting the parents. The, because there's a baby. Right? And there's the baby. And then so you see a dog nursing all these babies, right? And see, the parents, and what you don't know when the the mom is acting like that is they already know about the baby. And they he already doesn't. Know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't. So they're very, like, protective and angry that they, since she's gotten pregnant and have the baby, they haven't had a relationship. Right. But it's, but it's an over-the-top yeah. interpretation of it. All. So it's yeah. the emotional mom. Who it's breaks a dream-like interpretation. Yeah, who breaks down at dinner, mm -hmm. who then has the sexual desires mm -hmm. of that maybe have not been addressed for years now in her life, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. seeing Henry as this sexual being, because he's just created a baby with their daughter. It's another male in the home, yeah. And the dad is sort of detached from his work and from all this other stuff, in that general. his knees are shot. He's oblivious. He's, he's non... He's not emotionally attentive to her. No. Because she breaks down and cries, and he's just, just like... Whatever, this happens all the like, time. It happens all the time, and then he just turns and smiles at Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everything's fine. It's fine, yeah. Um, and then you also you see the grandmother, who just sits in the kitchen comatose. Yeah. They put a cigarette in her yeah, mouth and light cigarettes. it, and she just, like, puffs <laughs> in and out. Yeah. So she I think, can't move her hands, so she's like... Yeah, the mother like tosses the salad for her. Like, yeah, that's the thing. So I felt all that was. I know, yeah. Well, the salad's huge, and, and the, the chickens, and the chickens are tiny. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I felt a lot of that was. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I felt the pressure of like when they asked him, like, to carve the bird. It's like when you right? go over to an in-law's house right? and you're the boyfriend of the new husband and they're like, can you carve the turkey? That's what I mean. You know, I felt, like it's like a lot of pressure to do I that. I felt that all of this movie was sort of him working through being a husband, being a... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even the scenes of like sleeping in a bed with her. Yeah. And she's like right on top of him. And she's like, can you scoot over? Can you scoot over? Yeah. And the baby crying all night and, yes. and the wife or the mother getting, you know, the girlfriend getting up and screaming at the baby, like, just shut up, just shut up. Yeah. Um, um, and then him eventually drifting off into these male fantasies of the woman across the hall. Yes. And mm -hmm. the lady in the radiator. Lady in the, that's what my notes are mainly about. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So um, this is the lady in the radiator. And I have to say kudos to me for noticing that the lady was in the radiator with a stage. Yeah, I mean, I picked up on I the... I noticed that right away. Yeah. The first time he's like, so when he's staring he lays into the in radiator... And stares at his radiator. And that's his, like, escape from yeah. the babies crying and yeah, everything yeah. else. And he's looking at, and I... It, 
even before the lady in the radiator came, they saw like a stage. You yeah. can see like a stage in the radiator. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Before they even showed the lady in the radiator. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's like a stage. Something's going to happen in yeah. the radiator. Yeah. So I feel like the lady in the radiator is like his escape, his like guilt, his desire. Yeah. All of that. Well, she also at some point stomps and kills stomps all the on, sperm babies. Which is his guilt. Yeah. Which is what he wants to do to the baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like when he's staring into it, <laughs> it's just like his guilt. And, and she desire. sings like in heaven, everything will be fine. Yeah. Like, she's showing, like, a different world and perspective. Because I think he, like, hugs and embraces her later at the end. Because that's him embracing his... Yeah. Because he kills the baby. Yeah, we're really jumping all over the place. But he does. So which, he's which embracing the... his guilt and desire <laughs> in listen. the end, right? Um, hey, so what listen. did I write? Hold on. Yeah. I love the hand. I have on here... Oh, yeah, he ends in joy because he's embracing the guilt and desire that well, and he's, he's free, been staring he's at. He's free from the wife and free from the baby. Yeah. No, I'll say this. This movie, like, again, it's 1977. It's low budget, but it's done by, like, someone with an artistic mindset. Like, you know, David Lynch, along with somebody else, did all the music, all the sound. And the sound's huge in this. I don't think it's ever, like, not quiet. Well, because there's not a lot of dialogue. No, but I'm saying so just like sound the soundscape. Is, yeah, right? no, so the sound is super important. It's super important. But then also some of the weird symbolism or like just weird visuals, right? Like at the beginning when like the like sex scene at the beginning, when he like he's laying there, he opens his mouth and the is sperm thing comes. Scene? Well, the sperm thing comes out of his it's mouth. like a birth. And then it falls into a hole or a puddle. Yeah. And then the camera goes through the puddle. Oh, I see. Right? That's like, oh, I didn't even get that yeah. about it. But okay, I, I see that now. But then by the end, right, he realizes this baby thing, which is a weird fish, calf, fetus thing, right? Weird thing. Weird which, thing. part of my notes, we saw David Lynch's daughter in the credits, Jennifer Lynch, little girl. Mm-hmm. She was the voice for the baby. Oh, really? That was her role. Oh. So we also talk about him dealing with fatherhood and the baby. And his daughter, which she has said, doing a little bit of research. I did research this time. I didn't do that. She was born with club feet and kind of some of those, which we know because we have a, a child that was born with club feet or club foot. Mm -hmm. um, and like she has said, a, Part of this movie was my father dealing with my deformities growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she's the voice. She's the crying all in the movie. It's her voice. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Crazy. But then you're right. Then eventually he realizes, oh, there's these bandages that are uh, covering the body of this baby. He, like, cuts them loose. And then the whole body like expands, the organs start expanding. And well, he stabs it. He stabs it with the scissors. His heart. It's yeah. Like the heart. And then all this foam emerges. And then there's just this weird five minute scene of all of the foam, the baby screaming, the head enlarges, the head stretches out, 
and the gal next to me, right? Again, yeah. low budget, 1977, black and white movie. You know, nothing looks, quote, real, right? She covers her mouth the entire five minutes of that scene. Like the yeah, whole scene, she's that. like this. Like in horror of what she's seeing. I agree. Right? It was gross. It was gross. But it's also one of the most, I think, impactful moments in cinema you've seen. I mean, for that time Because you know what's so, really going on. Yeah. But I feel like when he cut the body open, Yeah. I also thought, like, they've never held this baby. They never, they never, they never nurtured never held it. the baby or nurtured the baby yeah. ever. Because neither one of them really wanted it. No, neither <laughs> of them. Yeah. And they just sat depressingly in this apartment and watched the baby constantly. Yeah. And then it drove well, the woman crazy. She, so she left. Which, which again, I thought not of you, but of just the mother like role where she was like, at some point she couldn't sleep. She's like, I have to leave. I just have to get some sleep. Yes. I'm out of here. I have to get some sleep, especially at first. He wasn't doing anything. No, no. He was just like laying on the he bed. He was happy. just like laying on the bed, letting her deal with it all yeah. night. And she was like, I have to get some sleep. I mean, it does drive you insane. And he's like, are you going to be back tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not. Because it, it people don't realize that a baby crying all night drives you insane. Yeah. No, yeah. Like postpartum or like that is it's for real. Yeah. It's 100% for real. And that is like maybe his wife in their real life had postpartum. Like, yeah. I believe that it is the wife a tribute of his daughter, like they, yeah, they did divorce at some point too. Yeah. Um, which I think brings me to one of my other notes, thinking about the movie in general, yeah. right? And thinking about Twin Peaks mm -hmm. and thinking about kind of David Lynch stuff in general, yeah. stuff you've seen and all that. But this idea of uh, this recurring thing about dreams with David Lynch, like I think Dave Twin Peaks has the famous line, like we live inside the dream, right? Um, and then the question is, who is the dreamer and who, what is the dream? So this movie too, like it was like, oh, you can see even at 1977, he's already like set those seeds of yeah, just like exploring dreams, Ex like 100%. That Everything I, is very dreamlike. With that them. idea of like meditation and yeah. dreams and the reality, like you said, he's staring into the radiator. He's somewhere else half the movie. Yeah. And we sometimes don't know like what's real, what's not real. Yeah. And that was where even Twin Peaks, especially by season three, was just what is dreaming what is not dreaming yeah um david lynch always and says how like, important i want to get dreams dreamy. to real life yeah. too like how does that connect yeah for sure i think and so this movie i think was 100 percent like oh this is already starting the idea of we live within and we he live was in, young we then. live inside the dream how old was he then i'm not sure but i mean he was maybe already in his 20s he was already had a child and and that kind but of stuff yeah yeah like mid to upper 20s but um, but yeah. So just the dreamscape of it all. Though this was a bit more of a nightmare, because even that whole section in the middle, right, where he fall, where he has this dream sequence where 
His head gets decapitated by the baby. Someone picks up his head. A little boy. Yeah, girl. picks up his head and turns it in, gives it to a, a pencil factory. Yes. Which turns that his head weird. which turns his head into an eraser. Thus eraser head. Eraser head, yes. Right? Yes. Um and while you're watching it, you don't know like, is this part of reality? Is this not? You don't and, know if that's part of the dream or reality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's just that whole idea, like, we live inside this dream. I was like, oh, wow, this is where he's still at. And it's funny, I think, in modern times to think about, like, parenthood and the stress of parenthood and the stress of having a baby and the stress of marriage and getting along with a person, maybe, and if you did get pregnant with a person that you didn't know, like trying to make that work, how, like to be in 1977, to take an upfront view of that and be so like super like honest about that yeah, is like a bold move because mm -hmm. honestly, like that's what you want to do sometimes when you're tired and you yeah. don't know, you know, like you could imagine being in that situation, right? Like where you're just like stuck in a situation, it's difficult, your mind's wandering, you feel like you're going crazy as the woman or the man in that situation. And for him to be so upfront and artistic and bold about it, I think it's pretty, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. And just like honest. And then, yeah, like, that's like I said, I felt this movie was just his most obvious mm -hmm. sort of, you know, people always say like, oh, what's David Lynch movies? They're just, they're weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah, I feel he's like kind of theme. been telling a similar story over and over about dreams and reality and understanding who you are, or who you're not. Mm -hmm. Think about when we did our um, Lost Highway episode, this yeah. idea of who you want to be, who you think you are. Yeah. And here there was just like, yeah, he's just processing adulthood. Adulthood, when it, when it comes, parenthood. When it comes with parenting and, and marriage, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Well, so it sounds like, it sounds like you kind of liked it. I liked it. I did. And then what's interesting, my only last note on here was... Um, I, I put, like how you wiggle your fingers. I put Elephant you Man. Read your... uh, I put Elephant Man. Oh, the woman reminded no, well, you of? Well, one... A woman in the radiator? I don't understand the cheeks of the woman in the radiator. I didn't understand that either. And I read, like, a whole thing about it, but they never... I mean, that might have been one of those, like, oh, let's just make her look... Weird. Strange. No, his next film... Was Elephant Man. He does Elephant Man, which I will say this in eighth grade. I think we have to watch it at some point. Elephant Man was a huge thing for me. The movie? Yeah. So that's the, see, here, when did you see that movie? And I didn't even know it was by David Lynch. Same. I saw it in eighth grade. But it was a big thing when I was in, in, in like middle school, elementary school. I saw it eighth thing. grade. It was on like cable one day. Yeah. No, and I just like come my family it. loved it. We watched it. Yeah, I had Hurt, a nightmare about it. Anthony Hopkins. Like, it's directed yes, by David Lynch. Yes. And I didn't know it was directed, but so that's the one movie I have seen by David yeah, Lynch. Yeah, no, and that But I want to see it again. Same. I do. When I sure. saw it in eighth grade just randomly, that was a movie that I became infatuated with. Yeah, no, that was a that was a significant movie. And in I my like you. I and mean, by that time yeah. I at that age, I had no idea that it was David Lynch. Um, I just thought it was a really great movie. And then I think I felt like 
the next movie that tried to copy that concept, but not the artistic value of the concept, was Mask. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of copy that yeah. concept of it. But no, so he, because of this movie, Eraserhead, which took him a long time to make and get funding, um, to like finish it. a long it. time. I like, think he started in 1973. Yeah, it was, like, it was like five, six years, which yeah. Jack Nass, who plays the main character, Henry. Nance. Nance, I mean. Um, he, like, kept that hair for all those years so yeah, they could finish the, the movie. movie. <laughs> Look like a crazy person. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that we didn't know that he was the same person in 20 I just, like, it, I just didn't click for me. It, it should That didn't click it for should've. me. But then once you saw it, I recognized his facial expression. And Jack Nance, I think, has been, except for Elephant Man. He's had little parts in, like, every David Lynch movie or series yeah, since. Yeah, but that's what David Lynch does. And it's funny because the blonde girlfriend slash wife in Eraserhead, it wasn't Laura Dern, but it, she looked like Laura I know, Dern. right? Like You're a right. young version of Laura Dern. the one thing Dern. I'm watching it, I'm like, we can just put Laura Dern in here somehow. The circle's I mean, complete. it looked exactly like Laura Dern <laughs> as a young girl, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Well, it sounds like you kind of liked um, I liked it. Eraserhead. And it was a fun experience, even though I thought we were going to die when we left the movie theater. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah, really fun. For the audio, we'll um, talk about Lynch Oz next. Yeah. We'll do a separate video for it, but yeah. where his sort of connection and fascination with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I love The Wizard of Oz. That kind of goes to all his movies. We right. should watch The Wizard of Oz before, but tomorrow's well, like we see Oz, it tomorrow, right? so we okay. better do it quick. He still thinks, I think, of curtains almost as this gateway to magic. They open up, and then you get to enter this other world. He favors theatrical curtains, the kind of curtains that belong to magicians and movie theaters. You know, the kind of curtains that you only use when you are framing a performance. The kind of curtains he would have seen when he goes to the movies when he's a young boy, and that curtain opens up. And so when you see a curtain like that, you know that something is about to happen that is not real life. If a curtain is your We're to talk about Lynch Oz. Lynch Oz, we just saw it. And sort today. of a twin, but also kind of David Lynch stuff in general, maybe. Mm -hmm. But maybe more Twin Peaks, I think. In general. Is where we're going. Yeah, because we were having conversation. We're like, this should be on the podcast. But this is a video... We previously just did an episode about Eraserhead. Mm -hmm. But this is the audio. It's just been one big episode. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, you're the producer, so I don't know. Producer slash seducer. <laughs> I don't really get any of that. But yes, I'm going to go with it. Um, it's a one long episode, basically. We're not out and about. We were going to film... Out we were about. out and about earlier today. Because we just saw today, we saw Lynch Oz at the Screen Door Cinema. In Ebor City. Which we a micro cinema, which we previously saw Eraserhead at for a midnight showing. Mm -hmm. On Friday night. Yeah. And we're and gonna. It's Sunday now. And we were going to podcast. So it was somewhere. a much better experience, by the way. Oh, going during the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's great, actually. It was a lot of fun. So we were talking about maybe podcasting later about Lynch Oz, but we got home and we kind of started chatting about things. Chatting some comments. Watching said, some said, like Stop. YouTube videos or videos about different things. Pod, um, Twin Peaks, David Lynch stuff. Yeah. 
and then we're like, stop, we should do a you uh, we should do an episode about this. We are at Pine Lake Cinema Cinema in the lobby. So we got old fashions. There's no loud crowd. We've made old fashions by myself. I might have to make another one. We'll we'll get through this. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a long segment. Probably not. About Lynch Oz. Maybe it will. So Lynch Oz is a new documentary about um, the connections between David Lynch's work. And the Wizard of Oz. And the Wizard of Oz. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, growing up, Wizard of Oz was extremely significant to me. Extremely significant. Like, one of the most recent movies that I saw growing up. And most significant movies I saw. Well, it's got, they talked about that in the documentary. The mm-hmm. first, it's split up in, like, six different filmmakers. Well, everyone saw it. I mean. Yeah. But I'm saying the, the documentary is, like, six different filmmakers talk about kind of what they think is the Lynch Oz connection. But the opening one sets up that Wizard of Oz, and they also say uh, it's a wonderful life, but Wizard of Oz became kind of this event TV for many, many years. Yeah, and I, I honestly, when she was saying that, I didn't realize it was an event. Like it was like a Christmas thing or a holiday thing or one type of year thing because I feel but like But it was, I, but it was a big I deal. Know, if it came but, on TV, even... Uh, I know. Even into the 80s, it was like, oh, Wizard of Oz is on tonight. We I know. To it was it. like everybody sit down because mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz is on. But I didn't realize it was like at a one time a year event. Or okay. what type of year, like what type of holiday is surrounded. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't really tell us. No. But they kind of said it was around Christmas. But I, I, I guess so. But I don't know. Vanessa was neat. It was the great. documentary. I thought it was great. It was great. I mean, it was interesting. So here's my question. I, As, I felt like it was a little bit long, but I felt like it well, was Well, there were six segments. I think it could have gotten it could have gotten by with five. I did I do too. After the fifth, I was like, this has to be the end. Well, it bookmarked well. I think the opening one was really, really good, kind of just setting up the significance of Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Which is a movie. It's funny. I think it was John Waters later. He wasn't the opening one, but John Waters talks about like later, like talking to a younger person, teenager, 20 year old, who saw like, he, he talked about who saw oh, the Wizard yeah. of Oz for the first time and they were just recently. Dismiss- they yeah. were dismissive of it. They were just like, I don't see what the big deal about this movie is. Um, yeah, which was makes you wonder kind of long term, you know, and kind of think of David Lynch. He is a reflection of an era he was brought up in. Mm-hmm. And the, the does mo- his movies stand the though test the movie of time. well, I think his movies do, but I think well, his his Wizard of Oz connection or the things he's referencing, those things go away. Well, do they? Because here's the thing. I mean, I agree. Film people that are into film and into artsy type films yes they do stand the test of time but do they stand the test of time the general public although they haven't seen i mean they have they're not the general public type films anyway yeah so doesn't not, matter yeah no, but, i'm saying art type films but i'm saying the things he referenced i'm not saying so much popularity of david lynch i'm saying the world in which he's referencing right the time period he's reflecting on which they talk about other filmmakers who did the same mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. It kind of 
begs the question. It's this weird thing, right? With the advent of film, this is a bigger question. The movie does not explore at all. No. But this idea of, okay. We've, so, we've stumbled into this question based on what we've seen today. Yes. And so I'm saying based on thinking about film, mm -hmm. right? Wizard of Oz comes out at a time when David Lynch sees that film is still magical. Well, it's in its infancy mm -hmm. or it's in its midlife at that point, right? Because we had our silent pictures and then we had our black and white pictures and then we had our color and technicolor stuff, which mm -hmm. and which is Wizard of Oz comes mm -hmm. in and, and part of it, the, the black and white, the sepia tone of the color has a story significance part yeah, of that. Yeah, of course. But, but seeing things in black and white or seeing things in color, it was still kind of a new thing. Yeah. Right. And so David Lynch and a lot of the filmmakers, they're referencing a thing that was new, it's still emerging, right? So yeah, he references a lot of things. You know, Wizard of Oz has some important stuff. As they mentioned, a lot of filmmakers, they kind of talked about the Wizard of Oz connection. Effect. Or... Yeah, the impact. Yeah. So I'm saying as we get now that um, in time, in the in the somewhat near future, right? Wizard of Oz will get eclipsed. Like it'll get the hundred year mark. You know, it'll be old at that point. You know, really old. Recycled at that yeah. point. Like moving on. It's already old, but really old. And just forgot. Like so, I'm saying the people who lived in a lifetime where they can look back at something like the Wizard of Oz, these foundational that lived well, these, when it was yeah, new these foundational films yeah right um and i guess that's the kind of thing we struggle with in general with like lack of some sort of monoculture or lack of um of i don't know these kind of new film experience these new experiences right that's well, lack of appreciation for what yeah you but didn't it's like, have or did have or couldn't see or you know people just expect at all yeah i don't know it's like a weird thing because even the trailer the, the trailer that you know they showed that um Werner herzog trailer mm -hmm. about his documentary burden of dreams where he was filming the Fitzgeraldo movie mm -hmm. and the, he did the quote in the 70s he wanted to make this movie with images shot in a way no, shot that no one's ever seen before mm -hmm. right he's riding in a boat down the congo and yeah. and it's like okay so have we shot films or done things? Has it's all been seen before? You know what I'm saying? It's like the point of that documentary was, or that film, it's like I'm trying to make a film and doing things that no one's ever seen before. And I guess apart from computers, nowadays with computers, so as I'm saying, when CGI, it, if, if, but if things have been seen, things have different. been done. But they did it, like physically did it. Yeah, and, and the John Waters quote of someone who, even though us. Wizard of Oz was still fairly removed. I don't know. It's just a weird question of like, as you as you do some as you do some. Wizard of Oz was removed from my childhood, but no, it wasn't removed. But I'm saying, it its moment had already come and gone, mm -hmm. but but it still lived on. We we still lived amongst people who remembered the newness of it. True. Right. And the impact of it. So like a David Lynch, he still remembers the newness and the impact of it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So as we leapfrog generational and generational away from that, it's just the question of like, kind of what does film become? What are these sort of things? Yeah. It beg that, beg that question of, um, you know, the people, the, the, the young people emerging today, what do they look back at? And, and do they appreciate yeah. film before that? So anyway, that was a weird thought that came from it all. I'm going to do this real quick. You might exit it out. No. I like my hair. Right up in the air. Yeah, I'm trying to get. I'm not. I'm leaving it in. I'm trying to channel my inner David Lynch. It's better. I'm trying to get my <laughs> David Lynch hair. But anyway, you got the David Lynch hair. So as somebody who see for me, I'm I'm a David Lynch fan. Fan, mm -hmm. and I um, ex I've been introduced and exploring. Yeah, David I'm a bit Lynch. of a kind of a, as the quote for the movie said, you know, like cinema for movie nerds or whatever it said so i can appreciate it mm -hmm. but as some do you but as someone who is more of a well less I'm, diehard how does the documentary play I, what do you need okay, for, what do you so need for my experience of david lynch is i'm not even saying david lynch i'm saying lynch oz oh i really liked lynch oz like it gave me a perspective that was necessary in order to appreciate other thing, other films. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, we need to keep a list of all these films that we should be seeing that are significant and tied to this theme. Because they show you other know, stuff than David Lynch stuff. A million other films. Which like, I'll be honest. A lot. Except for kind of that segment near the end. I'd probably seen most of those movies. and i'd seen some of them mm -hmm. but not most of them yeah and i'm like oh my god we should like take a list of the movies right in this documentary so that we could go back and see some of these significant films that maybe i'd never heard of some i had some i had seen of course probably like like splash Thir splash <laughs> et of course yeah, i've seen no, those movies but some I had not, but looked interesting. And when they make the parallels between the Lynchian movies and the... Um, like Pete's Dragon. You're like, I gotta see Pete's Dragon. No. 20, so there's a lot of Pete's Dragon in this movie, surprisingly. <laughs> there is. That's true. But no, there were some movies that I was like, oh, well, this is significant. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I either never heard of this movie or be like, my upbringing of film, I mean, I grew up watching movies, but not as much as you did. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't as significant to me. Certain movies were significant in my childhood, but not like you were. I will but say, no. my, my heart kind of opened up a minute when they did a quick clip of Babe. Oh, yeah. I like, I like Babe's one of the greats. Yeah, one of the greats, one of the greats. Um, I'll say I was thankful to this documentary, Lynch Oz. It, it really, I don't want to say it was surface level. Cause I mean, it kind of put in some, I mean, I don't think it ever strayed too far away from, listen, it's everybody wanted to talk about red shoes and his use of red shoes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And everywhere. curtains, like Pinocchio. your big, your big, your big takeaways are red shoes. And well, I'm like David Lynch right. using red shoes a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I was going to say red shoes and curtains mm -hmm. and the kind of the idea of, 
you know, he presents the two realities of the ideal with the perfect, everything seems great, perfect, wonderful, but it's the seedy underbelly. Mm-hmm. The thing. Yeah. So apart from, you know, I never felt it went too deeper than any of that stuff, but in some ways I'm happy it didn't get too in the weeds. Um, of the symbolism of just David Lynch symbolism or try because yeah, yeah, yeah. part of David and Lynch's thing has always and I thought that's what it was going to be yeah which I'm I glad really it wasn't did. it wasn't going to like some of and these YouTube wasn't. videos like the one we just happened to pop on it's like he's not going to get in the weeds of like what does all this mean no because um, David Lynch has never said what does all this mean well because a lot so of it's it, everybody's speculation well a lot of it is the your own which is what David Lynch wants yeah it's he gets it's dreamy your own interpretation but it's this idea, like over and over, we said in the last part of this, which we get the quote right now, right this time, that you're the dreamer who lives inside the dream, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're all the dreamer who lives, and that's his stuff. So I was happy that, hey, we're not going to really try to dissect it all or even put parallel links of this matches Wizard of Oz. It's more of a kind of explaining the sort of universal thematic I mean for me like the the person that was describing Wizard of Oz in different like um, different ages that they watched it Mm -hmm. like young age then teenage Mm -hmm. age then whatever I kind of related to that the most because Mm -hmm. like at a young age you watch it and you're like Oh, I just want to be just like Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Like she's like pretty and happy and positive and whatever. And then when you watch it as a teenager, like, oh, this is a little like scary mm-hmm. and undertoned and whatever. So I kind of like related to that filmmaker the most. I don't know which one. I can't it was remember what segment that was, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But no, I like the stuff that was talking about the um it reminded me too that like Pinocchio comes up a bit. Yeah. And how like Yeah. Well, Pinocchio is dark as well. That's what I mean. It's the like story you forget like, oh man, Pinocchio is yeah. a really dark story. Really dark story. And yeah. it's and it's one of those I was thinking, like, I do have memories of a child seeing Pinocchio yeah. in the theater. Um and that having the impact on the the sort of the horrors of the world. Yeah. In there, which again, this is kind of a theme this movie takes hints at. It's just like, oh, there's always something unsettling in everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's unsettling. All the things are unsettling. Like the. Let me get my Pete Holmes, my Pete Holmes um, stance. stance here. I feel like we're in the Pete Holmes vibe. The Audrey character is unsettling. Her just like sexual youthfulness yeah. is unsettling when they mention that. And then it being like parallel to, um, I forgot who they said it was parallel to. But it was very like when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's yeah, like yeah. just like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe Audrey Hepburn and something, yeah. but they focused a lot on Audrey Hepburn. A little bit. Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, in her life and how. Well, Judy she, Garland, they talked a lot well, about Judy Garland, too. I'm sorry, Judy Garland. That's what I thought yeah. you meant, yeah. Judy Garland. But um, the her 
underbelly of her life yeah versus what yeah. people thought mm -hmm. of her real life yeah i don't want to sing it after we have but uh, anyway um so that was significant to me so i think I for lynch like, oz you need you need some context going in you can't just be like uh I think, I mean, it could be a gateway. Hey, you either love. Well, you have to be I, I like, you, interested in something in the movie. You either have to love Wizard of Oz or, or love David, David Lynch. Lynch. I think you, you have, have to have one of the two. something. Yeah. But you if can't just go into it blind. Right? Yeah. Because you I, wonder, well, like, when you're sitting in the theater and people are walking in or sitting around you, you're like, mm -hmm. I'm wondering. Well, every what? single person sitting in there for this showing was all like David Lynchians. You could mm -hmm. tell. They had beards. Well, and the kid, there was one kid. <laughs> it was, it's true, it's true. Yeah, a younger yeah. person. Um, but I could still see in the film stuff. So what's also interesting is um, I think, so again, we talked a little bit about Eraserhead. I was like, I like David Lynch films, but I've also tried to, tried to like pepper my experiences with them, mm -hmm. knowing that, because that was the other thing we talked about. We talked about this at um deviant live age no no we talked about this right after watching the movie not oh. in the episode oh okay. about like the takeaway was like oof david lynch isn't long for this world oh when we saw him in his 2020 interview yeah. we were like Ooh. 2020 2021 they said some clips david lynch like, both of i both of us thought this unilaterally without yeah. talking mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. it independently yeah, i guess yeah, you yeah, should yeah. say and then we talked about later, we're like, he's old. Like, he's not going to be so he's not gonna around be... very long. But then we're, like, talking about his habits. So we're like, but well, yes, he, he, has, he has bad personal practices, habits. transcendental meditation. Yeah, well, my point was, like, Whatever. he's not long for the world, which means if one's hoping for any more David Lynch movies, I find it unlikely. Um, cause he hasn't put out a movie since like really since Inland Empires. And I think that was like 2012. Um, have you seen that? No, that's one I've held off on. Okay. Lord Dern's in it though. Of course he is. <laughs> um, I would not be. And, and I could be wrong on the date when it came out, but, um, it's also a shot on like all digital video. And it's just one of those things where like mentally you got to get ready for it's like aesthetically, like, oh, it's not gonna, it looks a certain way. Okay. Um, so we'll see it at some point. Yeah, I do when want to see. You, actually, when you're ready. Actually, they played it recently at um, when you're ready. Screen Door Cinema. And we just weren't available that night. Yeah. But it's also it's a harder movie to track down to see. Okay. Um, but he hasn't done that. And then what? 2017, he did the Twin Peaks season three return. Um, which in some ways, you know, that's what I want to get to here in a second. One might argue it's it's some of the best 18 hours collectively 18 hours of just film television merged into one um because we'll okay. talk about we'll talk about that why in a minute of unlike we'll anything talk about that. of unlike anything you can see or experience and it's to different. and to yeah. think and, and and part of me so one i try to pepper his movies because don't want to gobble them all oh you know at this point Here's the thing I've with it all. though here's the thing with the third season right, you have to be well versed in his style you have to be 
good to okay, go yeah. with his mm-hmm. season one and no, two. No, I don't think you have to be well versed in you twin. You can't just peaks. go into it and be like. You have to be well versed. You have to be in, not well. In, like you have to understand. You have to what be mentally seeing. ready for his style. Yes. You can't just go in saying, "Well, what's this?" Right. Oh, I'm gonna watch this season. Of Curious. I've heard some things. Whatever. I've heard good things. Yeah. I've heard good things about this guy. Yeah, so you're not going to be happy about it. No. It's kind of when we started watching the South Korean drama. Sure. There's a lot of long pauses, a lot of lengthy things, sure. a lot of stuff that we had to get used to. Mm-hmm. Same thing. So part of me is like. But more severe. Yeah. So part of it, I'm like, happy with the body of work he's put out. Don't need to put any more. I'll just space it out and then i take my time in between viewing things like i think at this point i've seen everything minus inland empires movies um he's made but there's enough space in between them now that it feels like a new viewing each time you know okay but um but with that i do think with the highlight i don't know the thing i appreciate the most is the twin peaks thing and i was even thinking about this while we were watching it is there's maybe it's like wizard of oz for him right where he says the quotes like there's not a day that goes by that i don't think about wizard, wizard of, of oz, oz. That yes David Lynch said. in some ways i'm like you know and it's the creator and emulating things that's important to him not that i think about twin peaks every day like that. There's not a day that goes by that I don't but think about you, Twin Peaks. But Twin it. Peaks is something that I'm thankful it's it exists. you in film and television. Yeah, but it's something that you think about, not because the mysteries are all complex and it's all that. But, but it's, it's made you realize what's like good cinema, cinema and not good cinema or good TV and not good TV. Well, it's not even that. It's the, it's, it's almost like, not that it's homework. But thinking about stuff we talk about, whether it's mindfulness or meditation or or just thinking about letting your, your mind and your imagination and your consciousness and your get to places, right? It's a thing wow. yeah. to go back to and study, mm-hmm. not to unravel the meaning of what it all means. Because I think so many times with TV shows or movies, we get caught up in like, what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. What is the answers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, and again, for some of the Twin Peaks, like you want to know, like, what are the answers of it all? Mm-hmm. But it's not that. It's it's the ultimate study of like. Pausing, creativity. Well, I'm saying like your consciousness, your creativity part in your mind, and then getting the creative thoughts in your mind, the the dream, if you will, and putting it on the screen. Yeah. But keeping it in a way of telling a story, but at the same time, not telling a story. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a show, we were talking right before we started recording, that you have probably seen 70% of Twin Peaks collectively. Probably, yeah. Season one. Yes. Some of season two mm-hmm. and pretty much most of season most three. Most of season three. Right. Yeah. And in a couple of weeks or in two weeks, we're going to a special brunch. 
No, I'm so excited about it. It's um, called the Black Lodge Brunch. Which is fun. At Screen Door Cinema. It's at 11 a.m. Now we need all the times, but we're going to the brunch where they have some cherry, cherry pie, pie, some coffee, some donuts. Donuts, and we're, and, they're, and they're showing the first, the pilot, the first yeah, episode. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited about and it. So I was like, oh, this might be a good kickoff for us to return to our... Um, to getting through the show one more time, mm. you know, all, all the episodes. It's a lot. Right? Which we kind of attempted it years ago. We did. And you made an omission recently. I made an omission. About that, an hour ago. Yeah, an hour ago. <laughs> that I understand more about it now, so it makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. But when we started it years ago. It was a tough watch. There was two things going on. A... I knew nothing about it. And B, I was working like my ass off. Yeah, you worked a lot. Yeah. I was really tired during our times off. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult to focus yeah. on it at all. And and for something that is more deep, like that you need to focus on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you're in kind of a state of influx in well when you're still in, like we said in a minute when you're in the mode still where you're saying i'm trying to i'm trying to I'm make trying to sense relax. of this well not even relax. i'm trying to make i can't follow it like yeah just trying to make sense of this trying to follow it where i think now maybe it's in a place of like and i'm in a different state of my life where yeah. i'm not trying to make sense of everything i'm just like yeah. being but, but it's also calm. like okay I, I understand there's a there's a dreaminess to it all there's dreaminess to it all. It's calm. Just let it be what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a different state now yeah. that I could accept it a different way. And I didn't dislike it. It was just difficult for me to consume. Right. And so I think it's, and so it's for me, it's like, it's almost like this return. It's like this continuing thing of like, oh, every so often I need to go back to it and look at it and look at it through a different lens of, time and interpretation mm-hmm. you see different things and it's it's like you almost said like and... the the wizard of oz going yeah. seeing at different stages in life it looks oh, for sure. and i think and even as an adult if we yeah. watch wizard of oz it would be different because i think now. there was i think again it was john i think john waters probably said the most memorable little quotes or anecdotes but i think him even commenting on like he couldn't believe that well one if you think back to season one and two of twin peaks just getting put on tv Mm-hmm. at the time seemed bizarre like that yeah, wasn't happening it wasn't something that i was like well we were young at that point but, but i'm saying and then even season three i was even thinking about this i was thankful that it happened when it did like on the cusp of this sort of nostalgia coming back old shows getting a reboot or a return mm-hmm. but it wasn't in the full streaming wars yet of everything just becoming content and yeah. And callbacks, like, remember yeah, this? Yeah, remember that? Yeah, remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And Twin Peaks season three, John Waters made the quote of, like, I can't even believe he got this pushed through on major broadcast, well, cable television, mm-hmm. right? Like, that he got this through, mm-hmm. right? Because season three is bizarre. So bizarre. And it, and it challenges your expectation of you want Kyle MacLachlan to be this Agent Cooper again. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do it for 17 hours of the show no. until the very Not end. Not at all. 
he's a bumbling Dougie Jones. Even I looked at you during the documentary tonight and I was like, there's Dougie, Dougie Jones. Jones. There he is. <laughs> With there a tie is. wrapped around his head mm-hmm. and can barely pronounce the word coffee. Yeah. Um, so anyway. I think I think with our Black Lodge brunch, um, you know, it might signify the return of the return, um, because you still like, because every they even talk about the documentary. You want to get back to that, um, which had its strong Wizard of Oz connections. That 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 one particular episode in season three of Twin Peaks about the the bomb going off, and uh, you got a light, mm-hmm. like the woodsman showing yeah, up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like. To return to that, to watch that again. Yeah, that'd be fun. But you almost feel like you have to lead it. You can't just like pop in that episode. No, you gotta go from the beginning. Right? Which again, that was one thing about Thyme. I thought it was a little silly to leave in, personally. The what? French Oz. I think it was the second chapter. There was the guy who talked about when he watched that particular episode, mm-hmm. bad things happened to him. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a personal bio of that. Yeah. Like his personal feelings about it. Well, not even that. Just things like, oh, when I. It's bad juju. Yeah, I watched it and my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat killed a bird in the house. I thought that was silly as and then well. The next time like, I watched it, his my, dad died. My dad died. Because the episode that those things happened. And it also just felt yeah. disconnected from the point of the documentary. It's nothing to that do with. That did feel disconnected. I thought the same thing when I right? started. I'm like, that's weird. It's like bad juju to watch these episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't believe so. in that, but don't I so. don't know. I, don't I thought, so. No, I felt like, no, I'm not saying I believe in the bad juju or not. It could be real. I'm saying the, just putting together an episode, uh, I mean, a um, documentary to leave that part in. Yeah, no, I agree. Little. I mean, I'm I all agree. for like finding like personal anecdotes and connections. I agree. I agree. I don't know. It felt weird, for sure. Out of place, definitely. Or the weakest link of a pretty strong documentary all over again. Agreed. All right. What's your thoughts? You're kind of fading here. It feels like. No, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh That's well, why. then we got to wrap up. Then you got to <laughs> say these things. That's why. It makes it hard so. to lead a conversation. No, I'm sorry. It's the bathroom. <laughs> well, then let's wrap up. Then let's then you say, hey, let's wrap this up. So let's wrap let's, this up. Oh, good. That's how we do it. Cool. All right. Any final thoughts on Lynch Oz or? My final thoughts are that I liked how they divided it in chapters. Um, I thought it was slightly too long. I like. Was it too long because of the thing or because of the uncomfortable seats of our movie going experience? I don't know. <laughs> I was ready to end. Okay, I said, we said it before. I was ready for it to end after chapter five. I but thought then I was, was thankful it didn't because I think chapter six was I the one that's I thought it was slightly too long it was, because. Chapter six was one of the strongest chapters. Everybody started with the same kind of like, oh, this is my thoughts on the Lynch Oz. There was some overlap. Yeah, there was a little overlap that mm-hmm. it wasn't like a continuous story. It was like a, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like. But it's got six different voices. But again, maybe six it is got too six many. Six different voices, but I don't think it was continuous enough. I think there was some like, oh, now we're going to start again. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to start mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to start again. So that kind of was like a little bit. You think maybe to me. it was, which I hope is not the case, and I don't think it was, because you know what? If a streaming service picks it up, or if it's made 
Netflix presents a Netflix original. What do they do? They cut it into six episodes. So you stay on the streaming and watch all six. Kind of watching a Hulu original in six parts. No. No. Which is like the worst thing they do now. Like, like you want to watch a documentary minute, 20, on Netflix, 30 minute t- and parts. it's like, oh, this could be a two-hour documentary, but instead it's three one-hour episodes. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be good. But I did feel it was a little like, I mean, an obvious like they all recorded these in separate things yeah. and put them together, but didn't blend it enough to be like an ongoing story. Yeah. Yeah, and there that's was okay. there was no sort of red thread yeah, that yeah, runs yeah. all through it. Yeah, right. So I enjoyed the experience of watching it, but I didn't feel it was like, like six, it flowed. Six little separate. Yeah, essays. and after it, I was kind of like when the chapter six came up, I was like, oh. you, you, you <laughs> like, did feel that, like, which was a which was tough six. because I think okay. chapter six was one of the more unique takes yeah, on was, the whole thing. It was, and it was good. And I was glad that one was afterwards. called Dig, and it was about like different authors or directors, yeah, kind of honing their vision of so the story. I was they're glad trying for that, tell. but as you're going through it, it doesn't make you understand like that there's something going to be more and then mm-hmm. more in depth and then more in depth and then more in depth. It makes you feel like at the beginning, like, okay, I'm going to hear more of the same, and then they're going to get said, a different a lot point. Of red slippers yeah a lot of red slippers <laughs> it's just funny when i know you gotta go to the bathroom but it's okay <laughs> i'm just gonna hold my hold my you know when it for said, a second <laughs> you know when it said um the wind i think the first mm-hmm. one or whatever yeah yeah that was the first one. twin peaks is notorious for cuts of like wind the pines flowing in the wind yeah. right and There's the, a lot of wind and a lot of movies. But though. they didn't even cut to that scene, that one of those images ever, which I thought I was interesting. Which is interesting. Or maybe that was like too easy. I don't easy. think they made as many connections between Oz and, and um, Twin Peaks as I thought they or would. Just, well, just Lynch in general. Yeah. But I mean, they but, focused more on Muhammad Drive. But I Drive liked it. And they focused a lot on Muhammad Drive and um, Wada Harp. Wild at heart a lot. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Yeah. Little we blue saw velvet. A lot of boobs. We saw a lot yeah, of boobs. True. Little blue velvet. A little bit of um. Yeah. The straight story. Yeah, I was yeah, happy yeah. to see a, a decent amount of Elephant Man in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is we talked about too. Do we talk about it on the previous Signific- episode? No. Or do we talk in post episode? Just in person. I think personal. About how the Elephant Man was a significant, significant film for both lives. of us in our youth. Definitely. And neither one aware of like a David Lynch movie. I didn't know it was a David Lynch movie, but Elephant I saw it was definitely significant in my life. Like it we was. We didn't talk about movie. this on the pod? No. On we the didn't. cast, on the PCAST? No, we didn't. Wow. We talked about it personally in our car. Because we talked about how we maybe we need to do an episode on the Elephant Man. Maybe. I was hoping when I was watching this and they were showing Elephant Man clips, I was like, man, I wish um Screen Door Cinema would do an Elephant Man showing. But they didn't. Well, they haven't, yeah. No, not yet. But, yeah, Elephant Man was a thing in my youth. Like, Same. 100%. Yeah. And I just happened to see it on TV one night. But I didn't know it was a David cable. Lynch movie. Yeah. And I think I stopped clicking. This is the clicking remote control. Because mm-hmm. that's what you did back in the day. Yeah. What was I doing this? On the dial? No, I was, I was doing this because it was on cable. And like Anthony Hopkins, I you think. You had cable. Oh, look at you. 
I, I don't think I had cable. I was like doing the rabbit ears. Did you, did I you had the like in? four channels with the rabbit ears. You had cable. Yeah, I did for a while. You well, saw... okay. I had cable on the main TV, but in my room. Yeah. Oh. I oh. didn't have cable. Oh, I didn't have a TV in my room. So there you go. <laughs> I had a TV in my room, but I had like. I'm on my hands and knees on front of the TV, pressing the button (laughs) on the cable box. No, I think Anthony Hopkins was on the screen. Mm. Okay. And that made me stop. It's black and white. Watched it and became enthralled by the movie. I think I ended up recording it on like VHS. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just the Elephant Man in general. Yeah. And I yeah. read and I went to the library, whatever I could get my hands on about the elephant man, I did. Hmm. Um, I didn't do that, but yeah. it was significant in my movie watching experience. And I haven't seen, sure. I probably haven't seen the elephant man. We should watch it again. I think we should. You know what's funny? I, yeah, I think we should. Hmm? I was a teacher once. Hmm. Um, well, once? <laughs> maybe still, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I taught, but this is, Ages ago, I mm-hmm. taught. I had an eighth grade class, and I had this sort of enrichment class. And um, so, the last time I saw the Elephant Man was then. I showed the class the Elephant oh. Man, like my VHS copy of it. Is that allowed in your school? Listen, I was a rogue teacher. I was renegade. You know, <laughs> he went rogue. But it was an enrichment class, and we showed okay. it. And we wrote about, and the kids wrote essays about. You know, oh, and th- we, were, we were talking about we were talking about like exploitation mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and taking advantage of individuals. Yeah. Um, and I do remember one student, a little little snarky kid. His essay was about me exploiting the Elephant Man um, by using his story and his, that movie for an assignment that he, thus. The right That's paper. the generation we live with. <laughs> that is exactly the generation. We so I think we'll end on you that. You can't teach anyone um, anything. No, no. So he was his his whole point of his essay was that I was um, exploiting as well. I was oh, continuing the cycle okay. of exploitation. Okay. Cheers on that. Right. So we'll end on that. Cheers. And uh, and uh, bye. Bye. I didn't take sips. I haven't. Had.